You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon. Now, we're talking about art and stories. Now, they're both wonderful ways to express your views, to connect with people, and, of course, to share and heal through both art and storytelling. So in the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking to Rachel Smith, who is a Hong Kong-based artist, and she's also the founder and producer of Hong Kong Stories, which is a local, non-profit, English-speaking, grassroots storytelling organization. Rachel, welcome to the program and Happy New Year to you. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to you as well. And thanks for having me on. Now, we are live on Facebook. I have Facebook. to correct you. Oh, sorry, go on, go on. Okay. No, 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 go on, go no, on. No, no, I was going to say, I'm not the founder of Hong Kong Stories. I'm just the producer now. Well, but it's okay. I that, mean, I'll take it. <laughs> I, give me credit. <laughs> I beg your pardon. The, the producer, very important role of, of being the producer. And we are live with the producer, um, Rachel Smith, on Facebook Live. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. So how are you doing today? Um, so far, I'm just fine. <laughs> I'm in the studio, came in to do some work. I'm, I'm working on... Uh, Chinese New Year decorations and getting my Chinese New Year crafts out. So that's that's my focus for today. I'm 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 thinking mostly about cows. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've been on my radar for for a while now because you, you're so versatile. Um, you're an artist and also, of course, you 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 do podcasting as well. First of all, before we talk about your art, <sighs> let's talk a little bit more about Hong Kong Stories. Um, it's a wonderful organization where you invite people from all walks of life to share their stories. Uh, tell us a little. Bit bit more about that what do you do there and who are the people who share their stories so hong kong stories is an entirely grassroots local community organization and we invite people usually through meetup is how people usually find us or they come to our shows and then find us a workshop through meetup um, anybody can come and tell a story but what you do first is you come to a workshop and you tell your story and then we give you advice on how to tell it better Okay. Um, we help you to craft your story so that it's clearer, that it has a wider um, appeal to different audiences and things like that. Um, also to correct all the things that we always do when we tell our own stories, because all of our stories are true first person stories. Um, so, you know, instead of saying like my brother and my other brother and my friend, you name them, <laughs> things like that, that aren't necessarily obvious to you when you first start storytelling. So we do that sort of thing. And then over time, um, you can pitch to be on a show. And then once you've come to a show or pitch to be on a show and you've been accepted, you, you come to rehearsals for almost a month. And then after that, you'll get up on our stage and be awesome. It's quite intensive. So let's talk a little bit more about the training because there's such a craft involved, you know, in the structure of the storytelling. And this is all sort of um, verbal, sort of um, oral stories. Um, and there's something so powerful. And when somebody stands up on the stage to tell you and share with you their stories, you feel sort of sucked in or, or sort of immersed in their story. But there's such a craft behind it. Um, talk us there through is. some of the techniques that, you know, you try to teach uh, the, the participants. So the fundamentals are a story has to have a conflict. Something has to happen. There has to be a stake for the storyteller. If nothing happened, which is why we tell true first-person stories. So if nothing happened that risks something, it's not a good story. 
you know, it's it's somebody else's story or it's just an anecdote about something funny that happened to you. It has to have some element of risk. It has to have a beginning, a middle and an end, but it doesn't have to be in that order. Um, it has to have clear characters. It has to have a story arc. So a lot of the time when we get stories at, on their first iteration, um, we'll get a story that's really complicated and about lots of different things. And we'll say, okay, you just told three stories there. Now choose one. <laughs> and then, you know, come back and tell the other two. <laughs> so in that way, we often we're able to cut out a lot of the extraneous information and get right to the heart of the matter and get something that's really compelling for people. Yeah. Do sometimes do people sort of write down their stories and share from a script? And how do you sort of coax people to step away from that sort of safety net of having something to, I don't know, to, to read off, to prompt them, you know? We do. We do. When we, when we tell our stories live, people know this right from the beginning. When we tell our stories live, there's no notes allowed. Um, so you can't use notes when you're telling on stage. But we do write things down in the meantime. We often encourage people to write things down so when you first come to a workshop for example what we might say is can you tell me your story in one sentence because that boils it down to the absolutely essential elements of what you're trying to say and and through that you can figure out what the important parts are and what the extraneous parts are you know even if that part is really funny it might not move the story along so you can get rid of it um and then um we often write things down in the meantime, especially in the past year when we haven't been able to meet face to face in the same way. We just trade scripts and things like that a lot of the time and we'll give feedback and that sort of thing. But the difference between a written script read out and told on stage is, you know, almost 100 <laughs> percent. It's so, so hard to sort of. Uh, read naturally. I mean, even uh, as a broadcaster myself, it's so hard to sort of make your script sound natural. So sometimes it's almost easier to to, to abandon the script, I suppose. Absolutely. If, if that story is your own and, and you know, you, you're faithful to your own story, you sort of share from the heart. And a lot of the times when you're watching somebody perform on stage, um, it's part story and part performance. How do you sort of get people to hone into their performance skills if they're not sort of naturally a performer well you'd be surprised at how little natural talent you need it's really about practice so we work together in the rehearsals for a month and usually that's meeting up once sometimes twice a week either with the host or with the whole group and and it really is our storytelling is really about the group itself it's not about the audience it's not about the individual it's about how we support one another and how we work together as a group so not just me as a host or my other hong kong stories fellow hong kong stories hosts not just us as hosts but also all of the people listening will also have very good feedback so each of the storytellers will listen to each of the stories and say i'm confused about that part if you're confused about it chances are other people will be too so we need to fix that and make it clearer and in that way it's not just one person instructing it's a group that works together and really that's where the bond and that's where the magic of hong kong stories works is that um group working together and then when you get on stage you've got seven friends behind you who are in the same boat who are doing the same thing and so you're nervous right you're like oh i'm nervous every time i get up you're nervous but you've got seven other people who are nervous there too and we often do like we can give you you can give your script to one of your fellow storytellers and they'll have it on the side so if you forget what you're saying they can prompt you like a stand-in you know, sort of 
like in Hamlet, I've got somebody there Absolutely. in the wings. That's brilliant. <laughs> so like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something now, but... Uh, and then somebody's off in the background going, you were in Singapore. I'm like, oh, right, 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 Singapore, right, got it. And you keep going. <laughs> and sometimes mistakes can, or sort of, you know, these make it more real and more authentic and more endearing in a way because the audience is sort of rooting for you. I know in the past, if I've yeah, sort of and stumbled. You, and you're not this. Exactly. It's, you're more human. You're not this polished, like 100%. Oh, it's, this is not a stand-up comedy act or, a, you know, this is a, a, a performance in, in a drama or something like that like you're a real person standing up there saying judge me this is something that happened to me judge me for what i've done and we've always had positive responses because it's the audience is there with you yeah it's amazing <laughs> having said that there is also something because we sorry, podcast the stories oh sorry yeah go on go on rachel because we podcast the stories if you have forgotten what you've said or you've had to ask for a prompt i cut that part out <laughs> That's uh, that's reassuring. Um, what about that point? You know, um, how transferable are these skills? You know, storytelling is such a great skill to have because it can be used for other parts of your life when it comes to I don't know public speaking or or, or speaking in a meeting. Uh, let's talk through some of these skills as well. Definitely transferable in a hundred different ways. First of all, there's just personal relationships. You know, if you're finding that you're missing the point a lot or you're going off on a lot of different tangents, storytelling is a way of really zeroing in on what's important. You want to talk to somebody about something? One, one sentence, having that one sentence of focus is really how you manage to stay on topic in that way. Also, the public speaking, obviously, it gives you a lot of confidence for public speaking. You get to see other people's mistakes right? And you get to say, oh, I can see what you've done there. And we do do a few in-house rehearsals. We do a final rehearsal, which is um, off script and in a safe space, but also, you know, you are performing now. Um, and you get to see, okay, you're wandering around, you're using the mic incorrectly, you're standing too far, you're standing too close, but it's a really nice environment. You know, if you're standing there and you're storytelling in one of our, our shows and no one can hear you, we'll actually say, we can't hear you, just move closer. <laughs> and you know there's no consequence from it <laughs> because our audiences are amazing <laughs> Rachel you mentioned just now that you also podcast um, I'm such a fan of your Hong Kong stories podcast um, I really loved a recent one on traveling I think I mentioned it to you just now it really sort of made me miss something that we I don't know take for granted sometimes I mean I don't know if you remember the days of traveling um, tell us more about your, your podcast <laughs> so long yeah. ago exactly uh, how did this idea come about so in 2016 we we um i i was getting to the point where i was really interested in podcasts because i've always loved radio and audio and this sort of stuff um and 2016 uh i said to the group members, look, I really want a podcast. And at first, everybody was like, mm, I don't know, that doesn't sound right. You know, there's a lot of resistance to it. So I just recorded everybody and said, this is what you sound like. This is what this, the podcast is going to sound like. And suddenly they're like, oh, can I share it with my family at home? Can I, can I tell my mom? Can I, <laughs> can I share it with friends that I haven't seen in a long time? And suddenly also your stories weren't one-time things they were something that lasted for longer so all this work that you put into it we've had people who've applied for jobs through the stories uh through the podcast you know who said here is my performance this is what i sound like public speaking <laughs> and so you actually have a little bit of extra to add on to the hard work that you've done 
we don't pay our storytellers. It's, a, it's voluntary for everybody, both the organization and the storytellers themselves. So it's really nice to be able to give a little bit extra back. And we're up to, I think we're up to 145,000 listens. So, you know, it goes out. It certainly does. And there's something magical about audio. I mean, I, I mean, I work in the radio, so there's, there's something wonderful about audio. You, you can do something else while listening to the radio or listening to podcasts. And it doesn't sort of, you know, it doesn't, I, I know we're on Facebook Live now, but, you know, people can just listen if they don't want to watch us, but they sure can watch us as well. Uh, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. We're chatting with uh, Rachel Smith, who is the producer of Hong Kong Stories and also the, the podcast uh, as well, as well as a local artist. Um, before we talk about your art, let's talk a little bit more about COVID and reflect back on, on, on the year uh, last year. Um, how has that sort of affected Hong Kong stories and the workshops and, and the meetings that, you know, that were you still able to do some meetups last year? Um, so last year, usually we do about 13 shows a year. Um, sometimes 15 or 16, depending on the year. Um, so we usually have one show a month. And then we do the literary festival, and then we have um, also uh, the spoken word shows, festival as well. Two or three shows during the spoken word festival as well. Yes, and those are our, like showcase shows. Uh, so we bring back our favorite stories and like these are the best ones that we love and stuff like that. Um, so the last year uh, we managed to do a January show. Wow. The mid end of January, and then we had a February show lined up, and that was cancelled, so we did it in June uh, instead. <laughs> and then we had a July show lined up, we did it in October. And then during the October time when we were opened up again, we managed to do our Hong Kong Student Story Slam, which is a new thing and has only been going on for two years, involving local um, secondary school students. Amazing. I mean, you want to talk about talent in Hong Kong, secondary school students who come, write and perform their own. They're just, they are phenomenal. And we're just blown away by this. And this competition that we started. So we managed to do that one. We managed to do the literary festival show and we managed to put on the July show in October. <laughs> so we had three shows in that little like three week, four week period there where we were just like, show, show, show. Okay. Before we close again, <laughs> you know, and it was, it was, um, it was wonderful just to have those. But as for workshops, we haven't done very many. Everybody is exhausted by Zoom. So we haven't been doing Zoom Zoom workshops or anything like that. We've done a few um, send in your stories. And we do get people sending us their stories still. Um, so we do get a few people writing us and, and sending in their stories and that sort of thing. But as soon as we open up a workshop, because we've done a few of them when we've opened up again, they're full immediately. I'm you know, sure people just crave that connection. Go and do one. And yeah, I'm sure people just crave that Absolutely. connection. Absolutely. We and do just have sharing. a show. Yeah, we do have a December show lined up uh, for when we open up again. <laughs> Fingers crossed. N not, not too long now. Um, moving on, I mean, you have multiple creative outlets. Um, I think uh, you're, you're an artist as well. I think you were recently interviewed and, and you shared in a podcast and you recently shared uh, more about your art uh, with Matchboxes. Um, that interview was brilliant, uh, really poignant. You. And, you know, you, you, you opened up and you talked about your anxiety, which is something I feel that more people are admitting to going through. Um, 
um, I'm not sure if more people are sort of uh, have have more anxiety these days or whether it's the fact more people are willing to talk about it. Um, I get it from time to time, you know, and it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the strangest feeling, like if I'm, I don't know, sitting in the hospital with, uh, for a doctor's visit for my daughter or something, and I think, gosh, I've got to hold it together, and whoosh, it sort of comes out of nowhere. Um, and you feel kind of powerless. Um, uh, can you share a little bit more about your journey and how has your art sort of helped you through? So uh, the whole series that you're talking about is a series of matchboxes, and I've got, actually got a few of them here, um, which I'll show to people who are watching on Facebook Live. So um, I started off having a couple of panic attacks and was really anxious about things. And then um, I decided that I would do a daily art project. Um, and I started, I thought I would do seven days. So I started off, I really like boxes. And what I love about boxes, little t- I like tiny things and boxes. And what I like about it is when you, you can close them and put them away. <laughs> and then they're done. Like I've dealt with that. It's, it, I, I can open it again. It's not sealed, but it's done. I'm, I'm not dealing with that right now, but it's there for me to remember and deal with whenever I feel like I'm capable of it. So it was wonderful to take some of that anxiety and put it into... A, a physical form and be able to put it in the stack with all the other things. But it also made me, um, because it was a daily project, it turned into 365 days. And I started Amazing. it in January 2019. So it was before COVID. Um, but it was amazing to... Because at the end of the month, you'd feel like, oh, this has been a terrible month. All these really bad things have happened. Everything's been awful. You know, it's been really. T-. And then you'd look back and you'd see all the days and you're like, wait a minute. No, that day was good. Oh, and that day wasn't bad. That day was really rubbish. But well, that day was pretty good, too. And that day wasn't great. But then this really good thing happened. And so you ended up being able to have a catalog of how things actually were, because we remember the bad stuff so much more than the good. And having it on record, this way you can see what was good. And I love that notion of sort of putting away the bad stuff, but also putting away the good stuff and dealing with it. I love that idea. Yeah. And being able to look at it later and go, oh, do you remember this day? It was amazing. (laughs) Um, So the joy is there as well as the the depression, as well as the panic, as well as everything like that. And that daily uh, allowing myself, so so each matchbox took between 20 minutes and an hour to make. And I I pretty much said to myself, here's the deal. I'm going to do this every day. And for 365 days, aside from one or two that were done early the next morning, they were all done on that day. So it was also a gift to myself of giving myself that time and energy to be able to sit and do something that didn't matter. It wasn't meant to be a massive project. It wasn't meant to be something amazing. It was just meant to be a daily reflection on something that happened that day. It could be anything at all. One time I saw this really amazing spider, so I draw this really amazing spider. <laughs> and it's a real appreciation <laughs> no, of, of nature. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, it's, it sounds very cathartic. Um, were there any sort of highlights? What were some of your favorite matchboxes, uh, happy or sad things? Oh. It, well, I had my nephew come in March 2019, so some of the best ones, or my favorite ones, were my nephew was 14 at the time, came over to visit, and, you know, just the exploring that we did and being able to see the city in somebody else's eyes, because I love Hong Kong, but, you know, being able to go, 
look at this cool thing and look at that cool. and i'm very much into hong kong nature and wildlife and it's so unique and interesting here and he's a really big uh, nature lover as well he grew up in the country and so he's very keen on on you know bugs and we got to look at bugs together and <laughs> butterflies and go chasing weird creatures that we find in streams and <laughs> It's so amazing. So that was amazing. Rachel, I mean, as an artist, I'm sure, I mean, I, I don't know, my, my heart feels a bit he heavy today. And I know that sort of, I know when that happens, it's sort of, you know, I feel one of two things. I either <laughs> sort of mope about or um, I, I feel that creative charge. I, I don't know, something sort of stirs inside of me and I feel an urge to create. I don't know what I create, but, you know, does that ever happen to you? And, you know, what do you do when you've got these sort of feelings? All the time. So, um, I, my studio is in Prince Edward. So 2019, it was in, it was in the middle of a lot of chaos and, and nothing that I could control in any way, shape or form. And that lack of control and losing my income because I have people come over to the studio for workshops. So losing my income from that, um, was very frustrating. And, uh, I would spend a lot of that time being, um, angry or feeling just helpless and unable to figure out a way out of this morass. But what I did do was I turned to my artwork and I was able to channel that into making all kinds of things that, you know, I would, so I'm sitting here and I'm really frustrated and then you create something. And even though I can't fix what's going on outside, I fixed what's going on inside. And therefore I can, you know, day by day, <laughs> Tomorrow's another day, you start again and you see what happens next. But what comes out of that is a giant body of work as well. So you come out with a lot of beautiful things that you've created um, a lot of self-expression and a lot of ability to express yourself in a way that isn't just words or partisanism or rhetoric or anything like that. It's here's the piece that I've made and here's what I've done today. So that was really, that was really, really helpful. And during 2020, same thing, you know, you're frustrated. Um, I'm fortunate because I, I work in my studio myself, so I'm not very restricted and I live within walking distance to my home. So, you know, staying at home or staying in my studio, I'm still only talking to myself. <laughs> So I'm not exactly like, well, I can't come to the studio because I'll infect loads of people if I have COVID. It's just me. It's just you, <laughs> yes. And for our audience, if, if you want to, and if you're interested in Rachel's art, you can go to her website, which is www.senselessart.net. Um, very quickly, we've got about five minutes before the two o'clock news. Um, I, I want to sort of talk a little bit more about upcoming projects or any projects that you're working on at the moment. You, you mentioned just now you're very interested in, in wildlife in Hong Kong. Are you working... And you love your spiders as well. That was in your matchbox. Are you, are you working on anything right now? Well, I have a male art project that I've been doing that focuses on Hong Kong wildlife at the moment. Um, and it's going to hope focus again on Hong Kong cultural things too. So I've got um, insects. Uh, you, can, you can sign up and I mail you uh, sets of things for you to actually DIY at home. And um, I've got insects and I've got Hong Kong birds and I've got um, Hong Kong mammals. And each one is built in a different way. So hopefully there's, there's a way of you creating something. You have to color them in yourself, but they're almost idiot proof. And they come with a little worksheet of, not worksheet, that's the wrong word. I come with a little information sheet about each of the animals because a lot of people don't know about the amazing Hong Kong wildlife that we have. Like we have pangolins. Yes. We have leopard cats. We have lightning bugs. They're the weirdest looking things ever, right? 
and uh, uh, the and lightning the birds bugs, the, absolutely... the things with the weird tail, they're sort of um, sort of a the elongated the nose. nose. That's it. Oh gosh, it's a nose. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They're weird looking things, right? Like. It's amazing the amount of diverse wildlife we have here. I'm also working on an ocean series um, where we'll be looking at some some of the weird things that live in the ocean. <laughs> and I'm just constantly amazed. And there's so many interesting people in Hong Kong who know so much about wildlife. So I've been working on those kinds of things. And I'm working on some Chinese New Year things as well. And, and uh, I have just started this year. And I did what I don't usually do. I start on January the 1st. And I'm doing a a book and I'm going to do the same thing as I did with the matchboxes and do uh, one piece each day. So each square is about maybe an inch square. Um, and each one, I just draw one tiny little drawing each day. Uh, and I'll be, I'll be working on those. And what are the drawings of? Are they to document your, your feelings or are they just your observations about yeah. Hong Kong or just anything that happened that day? I try not to give myself too many rules around that, and I try and make it very achievable within a very short period of time. So I'll, I'll show you, um, Facebook Live people can see what I've started off with here. I've got one word and oh, one picture. Wow. So they're not anything too exciting. They're just one word and one picture. That's um, so cool. It's so sort of my abstract. first word is light. Yep. Yeah, I don't want them to be too, you know, I don't want to give myself a lot of pressure on what I have to do. But first word is light and the second one is plan and the third one is lobster and the fourth one is crone and the fifth one is kind. And I haven't done today's yet. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Rachel, it's always so interesting to see Hong Kong and, and see things through your lens and, and through your point of view. I, I love following you on social media. Uh, so can you remind our listeners once again, how can we find out more about you and your work uh, and how can we follow you on social media? You can find me on almost all social media under Senseless Art. And my website is senselessart.net. And you can find Hong Kong Stories under Hong Kong Stories for almost everything. Also, the podcast is also under Hong Kong Stories on iTunes and every other platform I can think of. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I wish you every success. And Hong Kong Stories. Dot, sorry, Hong Kong Stories dot com is our website. Excellent. Well, I wish you every success for 2021 and I hope uh, Hong Kong Stories will resume very soon and we'll be able to enjoy the wonderful performances. Meanwhile, we've got the podcast uh, to, to, to enjoy and I look forward to having you back on the program next time. Thank you very much indeed. And that's Rachel Smith, uh, artist from Senseless Art. Thank you very much indeed.